Okay, we are beginning now, letter 17. The letter 17 begins that we know that in response to how we behave, God responds. So when we arouse in our heart kindness and compassion for those that need compassion, God responds the same way from the source of all compassion. And this gives for this person who pulled out of himself kindness and compassion for others the fruits of your deed in this world and the principle remains intact for the world to come. The fruits don't just mean the physical blessing, but also the insights, the spiritual delights of the Garden of Eden in the afterlife. Because the Garden of Eden is also this world in contrast to the world to come, meaning the era of the Messiah, the Messianic era, and the ultimate revival of the dead. So in contrast to our present physical world, we think of the Garden of Eden as the world to come. It follows and rewards this world. But in contrast to the ultimate world to come of the Messiah, of the resurrection, all worlds, including the spiritual world, including the Garden of Eden, is termed this world. And the reason for this is that all worlds aspire, even now, to a revealed level of comprehension. But the perception of divinity in the ultimate world to come at the time of the revival of the dead transcends all revealed levels of comprehension. So for payback in response to the compassion and kindness we show other people, we receive the fruits in this world, the flow of benevolence from God. And these fruits vest themselves in this physical world in the form of blessings for children, for life, for livelihood, because these gifts are fruits. The fruit's not the essence of the tree. The fruit falls. The fruit is replaced by another fruit. So this flow of benevolence undergoes a transformation from world to world. It's not the essence energy, but it's the manifestation of it. So what's the principle? The principle relates to the verse, your commandment is very wide. And we have two questions on this. One is, you think it would say your commandments in the plural. There's many commandments God has given us, at least 613 biblical plus thousands from the rabbis. Why is it saying it in the singular? And also, why is it called the commandments the commandment wide? We might think your commandments is very great, very immense, very lofty, holy, spiritual. Why wide? But the Rebbe says this verse is actually referring to one very specific commandment. That's why it's a singular, the commandment of charity. So why do we say to God, your commandment is very wide? Because charity is God's commandment, meaning it's the commandment he performs all the time, himself, every second of existence. Because God is constantly giving charity, animating all of creation from the beginning of time forever. Similarly, we find in the verse in Genesis where it says they shall observe the path of God to do charity. In other words, charity is God's path. Charity is this road, like a road goes from one town to the other. Charity is the road, the manifestation and radiation of the infinite light of God, which encompasses all worlds that will radiate and become manifest in the future at the time of the resurrection of the dead, even to our physical reality. But what's eliciting it? The arousal initiated by us humans below in our charity, in our free kindness. So this response by God is going to be God's kindness. Such an enormous force of revelation, tremendously exceeding 
the radiation in the lower Garden of Eden and even the higher Garden of Eden. How can we say what? It's going to happen in this physical world is higher than even the higher garden. Even sure, sure, very easy proof because all the souls of the saints, of the sages, the prophets, all of them now are in the higher garden of Eden, and they're all going to come back down to be vested in bodies to be at the time of the resurrection to derive pleasure from the splendor of God's presence, which will radiate in this world to them as they are souls and bodies higher than they're now experiencing it in the highest garden of Eden. So obviously the revelation is far transcendent because that's why they're coming down. That's why it's worth it for them. And this revelation is God's charity. It's free kindness on God's part because whatever we've done below is in no way intense enough to draw down this immense degree of revelation. My service is the vessel which enables me to receive it. God's giving it in response that has free charity. So what is it specifically about this revelation attainable only in the world to come that makes it so much higher than even the high level of the Garden of Eden? So in the rewards, as we know it, even in the Garden of Eden, the level of godliness shining is a light that's constricted godliness, what's called mimale kolamen, that which permeates all the world. It's a very muted god-life force that contracts and descends and diminishes according to the receptive capacity of the creative being that is going to permeate. So, as we're actually told by our sages, the world to come, meaning the Garden of Eden, was created by the letter Yud. Yud is the smallest of the letters. It's very limited and very contracted at a single point. And that letter signifies the level of seminal wisdom God's seminal wisdom, the first of the divine attributes of the highest world, the world of being. And that's considered the higher Eden, what surpasses the Garden of Eden, because the Garden is derived from Eden. It's not Eden itself. And this seminal wisdom evolves and becomes vested in all the world to continuously create and animate them. All created beings derive from the divine attribute of seminal wisdom. So. This life force that emanates from the seminal wisdom is concealed from the other world and is manifest in the Garden of Eden. So that the souls there can apprehend the essence of divinity. This is the light of the souls to apprehend the secrets of Torah. In this world, they learn to reveal dimensions. And in the Garden of Eden, they get to know all the secrets from what they learned in this world that was concealed from them. And that's when the Zohar speaks of the various heavenly academy. Moses has an academy, the heavenly academy. There's an academy where Miriam teaches the righteous woman. But what we're gaining from this is that the revelation attainable in the Garden of Eden is from that constricted light that permeates. That only a limited degree of light is filtering through. But at the time of the resurrection, what's manifest is the level of transcendent light, what we call Sveves Kol Amen. Not contracted, not measured, not limited. It's limitless. It's endless. And this concept of calling it that which transcends means, or that which encompasses, means not invested, implying adaption within creation. Instead of contracting itself to match the receptive capacity of the creation that it's animating, as does the lower, more constricted energy. It affects it, even what's within it, but it affects it 
while it remains on its own level.